Welcome back to DMnastics, the gym for dungeon masters to work out their minds. I am DM Neil, aka Joke Maniac, and I have a very special guest with me, and I will let him introduce himself once again. Yes, it's me, James Intracasso of Don't Split the Podcast Network and World Builder Blog. Excited to be here, Neil. Excited to be here. How are you? I'm good, and I'm excited to lift with you once again. And I think mm-hmm. we have a really cool topic to talk about. We definitely, definitely have an awesome topic. It's all about the rule of cool. Yes. And it will tie back to episode 131 where we had Kim Hidalgo, who was the dungeon master for Girls, Guts, and Glory. I think they've like changed the cast more than a little, but you can definitely check out their stream. It is awesome. And I made DMnastics 108, Keeping Your Cool. That's right. Essentially, I presented the idea of a scenario where... Your players or just players in general would do something kind of out of the ordinary and put it to the forum users of thinking of a cool way to let them do something that doesn't really fit the rules, air quote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's so cool. You let them do it anyway. The rule of cool. Yes. Bam. And I think it's a hard thing for us to do as uh, GMs. And I think it's one of sort of like. The last thing you learn, you know, like people who have been DMs for a long time are are just becoming comfortable with the rule of cool, it feels like, Uh, because first you're working so hard to learn and get the rules of these three enormous rule books into your brain. And then it becomes, okay. now I'm comfortable enough with it. I can adapt and use the rule of cool. But it's actually something you can do from the get go uh, and is awesome as this exercise. Keeping your cool shows us, Neil. Definitely. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that almost sent, sent me on a wild tangent. (laughs) Okay, I can't help myself. So. I think it's a lot of people learning from the visual and the audio mediums that we have available that like kind of makes the rule of cool this feel like this intangible thing. Mm -hmm. But like just because you're in Matt Mercer and these amazing DMs that we get to see be on this giant platform, they have to essentially kind of adhere to the rules more strictly than you do at your own table because the whole internet will tell them why they're wrong. (laughs) And so some of the podcasts I listen to though, like their embrace of the rule of cool right out of the gate is it's on. It's just great. Cause they're like, yeah, I'm not going to look in the book. This is the way it is. And if we change it, we change it. If we don't, we don't. Uh, Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. That, the internet uh, is a a harsh place, and when you have a lot of attention, the cost of fame is that you get yelled at whenever you do a rule differently. Uh, you hear them talk about it all the time on the Adventure Zone, in fact, yes. about people writing in, and they embrace the rule of cool very quickly on that podcast. Yeah, another favorite of mine is Sneak Attack, where like they'll do it, correct it, and be like, okay, save your tweet. We're fine. We figured it all out. It's It's mm-hmm. okay now. So, do you have a pick from the forum, though, that you want to highlight of someone implementing the rule of cool? Yes, I do. And I should say the way you set up this challenge to people was you presented a scenario and then uh, sort of gave a party of adventurers that somebody could react to the next person to reply and then encourage that person to respond to the scenario in a way that 
uses the rule of cool as player, something really cool that's maybe not covered by the rules. And then you ask that person to come up with a scenario for the next person to respond. So it created this really cool chain of ideas um, that I am going to steal both as a player and a GM. Nice. Uh, so yeah, yeah, thank you for that. So with that in mind, um, the scenario I picked uh, comes from Mr. Drollins, or Mr. J. Rollins, depending on how you choose to pronounce it. Um, and the scenario is, while gathering information at a local tavern, where you have managed to build a strong, positive relationship with the tavern owner, and while partaking in a beverage or three, the back wall of the tavern caves in and a herd of swine frothing at the mouths begins rampaging through the tavern and attacking anyone and anything. The tavern owner's young son is in the path of a particularly large pig, what does the party of your choice do? Um, so I love that. And then I love the response from Maribson, who is a hero on the forums. Yes. Hero. Uh, and uh, Maribson uh, talks about the party fighter, a goblin named Yik Yak, uh, leaping onto the back of this very large pig that's heading for the owner's son um, and using his flexible rapier, Mr. Stabby, uh, as a sort of reins, he jams it into the pig's mouth and then uses it as a bit and reins to steer the pig into the fireplace. Meanwhile, the party wizard casts a mass sleep spell, ignoring the goblin's antics as the barbarian knocks out a passing pig while chugging down a last mug of ale. Um, everybody begins to doze off and the monk rubs his temples and mothers just another night here. Uh, I thought this was so great. Uh, because it covers a lot of different things. First, the leaping onto the back of a moving animal, right? Mm -hmm. There aren't really straight-up rules for that necessarily. And then certainly using your rapier as a bit and bridle. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's <laughs> nothing like that at all, but it's totally a thing I would allow and would love to see. Uh, and then adjudicating a spell like sleep in a in a tavern is really fun and then also adjudicating drinking a beer like while punching somebody like that's just so <laughs> cartoonish and amazing uh you know i could see it happening on something like um venture brothers uh like somebody you know dr drinking a mug of beer and not even looking as they punch off to the side and knock out a, a passing rampaging pig um so yeah that was my my favorite here i thought really well done by uh maribson and by mj rollins or major rollins as i like to call him major rollins mm -hmm. <laughs> i like it i like both yeah. of those what about you? What was your pick from the forums? So the one that I had set up was essentially that a large spike pit trap had opened up in front of a level three party. And I really love Tigranosaurus's idea of what the players would come up with, because I feel like this is something my players would come up with. Essentially, the barbarian takes the shield from the dwarven cleric sets the halfling on top of it and like skids them across the spikes while holding a rope so that they don't actually hit any of the spikes. And like <laughs> the, they envisioned it as like spinning while going across them. So they actually said that there would need to be an athletics check for the Goliath and an acrobatics check for the rogue. And I want to say that there was some kind of like con save for the rogue as well, not to get dizzy and throw up. 
Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. definitely my choice right there. Yeah, yeah. And I love seeing the inner workings of the DM mind there, too, about mechanically, this is the way I, as a a GM, would adjudicate Mm -hmm. this to let people know, like... I don't just let it happen because it's cool. There are still consequences and failure in this case, right, would be just as spectacular as succeeding from a story perspective, which I love. Because, like, imagine then the rogue is just, like, sitting on the shield out in the middle. (laughs) Like, if the the barbarian fails the check or, like, spins and the shield makes it, but the halfling halfling doesn't. And it just falls in the spike pit anyways. Oh, that would be amazing. I would love that. That would be so funny to see the halfling just sort of trapped there, teetering on the spikes on this shield. I'm <laughs> oh. trying to figure out what to do. Oh, that'd be great. Going into initiative order and then each round they would still have to make an acro- like acrobatics check to remain up on the spikes. I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> Beautiful. So with that out of the way, we're going to start lifting the mental weights right now. Mm-hmm. Boom. Let's do it. Lifting weights is what I do. Look at me. Lift these weights. In the infamous words of Matt Mercer, how do you want to do it? Uh, well, we got we got two we got two ways to do this, Neil. Uh, one of us could come up with a scenario for the other one, and then that person could come up with a scenario for the next. The other way we could do it is we could just go. One or both of us could start by going off of Rorik's last post because no one did. That's what I was going to say was our, was sort of our other idea here, right? Like, Rorik has this awesome scenario, but was the last person to post, so nobody took him up on it. Perhaps we should do that. What do you think? I think that is a great idea, and mm-hmm. that scenario was... So, uh, this scenario involves a party trying to, uh, ga- uh, seems like, capture a princess uh, as she... Her retinue passes in a canyon. So there, in the canyon below, the princess's retinue suspects nothing as they pass. The party descends exactly as planned, incapacitating the guards easily and seizing upon her delicate carriage. The berserker tears off the door of the carriage, but inside, a gorgon leers out at him. What? As he turns to stone, the guards rise from their false slumber. What? They were faking it the whole time. It wasn't so easy. The imminent engagement is uh, at close quarters. How will the kidnappers handle it without their primary melee fighter in the fray? So let's assume, right, we've got a party uh, of the our berserker uh, is turning to stone uh, and therefore out of the fight. And then maybe what do we have? Like maybe a... Maybe we could go with the, the classic four. I mean, we got cleric, wizard, rogue. Yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah, some squishy characters. Uh, you know, cleric may not be super squishy, but... Certainly not as hardy as a fighter or a barbarian, for, to be sure. So, yeah. So, let's think about this. How how do they get out of this situation surrounded and with a gorgon in the carriage? So, making the assumption that there are no... or Well, that the princess that they had wanted is not in there. I immediately want to set the carriage on fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had the same thought, yeah. <laughs> like, well, that thing's stuck in there, and our buddy's turned to stone. He'll probably be fine with a little bit of fire and have the cleric cast something down on it to make sure that the whole thing catches fire. Yes, I like that idea because, Neil, uh, as our rogue friend knows, horses 
are also scared of fire. So if I were the rogue, I would try to then play that up and scare these horses so that they go wild in the canyon and uh, clear a path forward by trampling out over some of these guards who have surrounded you. I like it. Mm Mm-hmm. And if I were the wizard, the other thing I would do is to stop pursuit once you had gotten out. Uh, I would start... um, shooting fireballs and the like at the walls of the canyon to cause a collapse behind us as we ran. What do you think of that? I like it. And I'm trying to think of what kind of interesting use we could, interesting thing that kind of falls into the rule of cool for the barbarian or the berserker that went down. My first thought would be levitate plus rope. Mm, so essentially like like, we tie a rope around the stone form and then levitate them and then start running with like a floating statue behind us Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i like that or get ready for this one neil the wizard casts transmute (laughs) and changes the rock to mud and they gather the barbarian up in a jar and then they run because now he's just a puddle of mud Oh, uh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. I really thought you were going to go for, man, so I have two kids, and I don't know why, like, just in your natural state, like, you come up with worse jokes. I really thought you were going to say that they were a jarbarian at that point. <laughs> but you didn't, uh, and then I had to. So I am glad you did. Uh, this this segment would be nothing without that bad joke. I will there tell you go. what. Yeah. Yeah, that is great, Jarbarian. <laughs> it uh, is I, the Jarbarian. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love that. I think those are those are both really uh, great solutions. I love levitate with a rope. That's awesome. Yeah, and then just hit like yeah, and then in my head like doing strength checks, but like would they be how bad would they be because you're in your you have the levitate spell, so then like kind of. Mm-hmm. I have a question, especially when it comes to the rule of cool towards you. Do you have a firm number in your head sometimes when like the rule of cool happens? Like for me, like I would ask for this strength check, but I don't know if I would have like a super solid number in my head. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's funny. I, until fifth edition, I I would probably just use whatever was on the back of the dungeon master screen. You know, they would have that chart. It's this yep. level. It's hard. It's whatever. But I would probably fudge it a little bit just to let it work. You know, that's one of the one thing people say about the rule of cool is sometimes like if something is so cool, you just let it work. You ask for the check, but it doesn't really matter. 5e, it's pretty easy for me because it's like it's always 10, 15, 20. Yeah. Easy, medium, hard, you know. Um, But yeah, I think I think it'd be one of those things where like. Maybe I'd set it at 15, but if you roll the 13, I'd say good enough and let it yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, more of, more of a successful range, if you will. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I think, part of the rule of cool is if success is more interesting, just let it happen. Like, if that's a better story choice, let it happen. F- failing a wacky idea is just going to discourage your players from using wacky ideas in the future. Um, but if they succeed or partially succeed, right, if it starts to work and it's like, ah, we could have done it if it wasn't for you 
meddling gorgons, uh, then, you know, uh, then they'll, they'll continue to try those things, uh, in the future. So you should always, uh, in my opinion, let a wacky idea begin to succeed at the very least and, and have a shot so that your players keep trying it. Definitely. So my quick scenario to you, or that we can kind of think of together, players falling from a great height before flight is essentially like a commonplace thing. Like how would mm-hmm. they how like a rule of cool way that players could not essentially not die to the terrible thing that is falling damage. Of course, of course. So how how high are we talking? Are we talking like max velocity falling down like 20 d6 max velocity i'd hate to do that because then i'm almost guaranteeing that like one of them's gonna gonna (laughs) die (laughs) i would uh and uh so depending on where they're falling or or what they're falling toward Mm -hmm. i would definitely make the give the option to for instance if you're falling in a forest to uh you know maybe you're jumping off an airship to into woods below or something uh i would definitely give the option to uh try to grab on to tree branches or aim yourself towards particularly dense foliage to like slow your fall Mm. along the way i know that maybe that wouldn't actually work people who are physicists but uh, it's fun, um, you know, <laughs> or, or steal your steer yourself towards a body of water and make like a perfect dive maneuver so that you're able to, you know, sort of like the, the lady at the state fair who dives into the two foot pool from like mm-hmm. 180 feet up or something. Yeah, that that would be one way. The other way I would do it is if if it is a thing where you're like on an airship that is crashing or. Uh, a building that's breaking apart and you're jumping down, I would give the option to uh, ride debris, as it were, where you can like grab onto something and and that will take most of the impact when you land. Uh, And so you can do that, especially if the thing that you are grabbing is an enemy. And then you can get into like this in-air wrestling contest for which one of you is going to take the brunt of the, the fall, which could be cool. I also love the idea of abusing summon monster or summon animal or whatever. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> oh, That's awesome. Yes. You just be like, I summon a whale and then I sit on top of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I hope for the best when we get to the ground. Yes. Yeah. A common thing uh, because, you know, Misty Step, the spell Misty Step, uh, a common thing that I have had players do is wait until, like, essentially ready in action until they are within the distance of the ground to Misty Step. And then they teleport themselves onto the ground. Uh, So they haven't actually, you know, they didn't fall the whole way. They're just suddenly, boom, they're there on the ground. Yeah. uh, Which is kind of a cool way to do it, too. I like that. That's that same concept of someone's like, oh, if the plane was going down, if I jump right before it hit, would I be able? And the answer is no, by the way. Absolutely (laughs) not. You would just fall at a marginally, very small margin, less speed next to the plane. That's all that would happen. Right. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So Unless you've got Uh, some super powerful legs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So good luck flying everybody who's got to fly soon. Yes. But with with all of that and all of these amazing and terrible ideas, the best question I have for you James is where can people go to hear more from you? 
people can head on over to don'tsplitthepodcastnetwork.com where I host a show called Tabletop Babble. Uh, we talk about role-playing game and D&D news, reviews, advice, interviews. It's pretty uh, fun. Uh, one Neil Powell has a reputation for showing up there yes. sometimes, uh, which has been super awesome. And, uh, and you can also check out a lot of other really, really great podcasts there. Uh, and I do some game design work, which you can check out over at worldbuilderblog.com. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter at James Intro Casso. Do all of those things. And if you wanted to tell us about how you use the rule of cool and how that happened in your game, you can email us at dmnastics at gmail.com or you can head over to Twitter and follow us at dmnastics, all lowercase, all one word. And you'll find all of the hosts Twitter handles there. And for everything else on our network, you can always go to blockpartypodcastnetwork.com because small URLs are for chumps. James knows. That's right. <laughs> Definitely. De- don't split the podcast network.com. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so good. Uh, but before we go, we're going to head over to our post-workout cool down and stretch with the light bulb. Light bulb. Nice. Let's do it. Yes. What are we talking about today, Neil, with the light bulb? That's me stretching out. Ah. Done. So today we're going to talk about the idea of implementing or bringing to your table initiative tents. What are those, James? So initiative tents are uh, usually index cards or uh, sometimes they can be larger pieces of paper that you fold in half and you write player character names on them. And sometimes if you're at a con game where you don't know everybody, you might have a person also write their real name on there. Um, You can put all kinds of other information on there if you want as well. I know a lot of GMs who like to put a passive perception score uh, on them and you usually do this on both sides of the tent. So you fold up the paper in half, like it's a little triangle that you sit in front of you, uh, like you're a person at a, uh, you know, if like if you were on a panel at Comic-Con, you'd have in front of you, you write your name and your character's name on both sides, uh, and then you give those to the GM when you are in combat, and the GM can put them on the Dungeon Master screen and uh, in sort of the order of initiative. And it makes it real easy if somebody changes where they are in initiative, if creatures are added, um, you can flip it. And because it's double-sided, the GM knows the initiative order, as do the players. Uh, So the GM, if you are bringing uh, these to a convention or something, make sure you bring a couple extra to write your monsters down on as well. Yep. They are very quick, very easy because, I mean, you could buy a, a hundred, if not hundreds of index cards for a couple bucks. And that's probably going to get you through a super long time of gaming. And like you know, like James mentioned, they are amazing at conventions because I cannot remember anyone's name. I can remember faces. I'm not fantastic at names. But the other thing you mentioned is the other thing that you know, and I like doing whenever I use them is putting a lot of information on the backside for myself. You know, and so mm-hmm. the thing facing out is character name, potentially player name, but then on the backside, it's pretty much anything that I would want to add to a role that maybe I don't need to ask the players. Because if I'm fishing for a perception roll, then they know that they're rolling that or they know that they're rolling this or that. So then I just have it on the back and I roll whenever I feel like it. 
Totally. Absolutely. And I have to say, you will be glad you brought index cards with you because they're also great for a lot of other things. You can use them uh, as markers to give out to people when they get inspiration. You know, you can put a big eye on an index card. You can use them to represent uh, a quick map. You know, each index card is a room and you can sort of connect them together. There's lots of awesome stuff you can do with index cards. Uh, Table tents are just the tip of the iceberg. Definitely. Well... Sir, I think we have done it. We've done it once again, because you are no stranger to this place. And with that, we're going to turn out the lights and head out of the gym. That's right. Getting my supplements ready, my nutritional supplements ah, here. But it ready. could also be supplements for RPGs. Great. Mm-hmm. Great. Well done. <laughs> uh, I think you now need a new segment. Uh taking your supplements oh where we highlight a supplement for a game each week oh my god i love it so (laughs) much actually (laughs) it might be a thing watch out people (laughs) so before we go though i want to implore you the listener to join up on the forums and take part in these challenges and exercises as well as all of the other amazing conversations being had to do that, head on over to dungeonmastersblock.freeforums.net and try out some DMnastics. So your players don't ask, do you even lift? Can I trust you'll add your own cardio? Yeah, no, don't put me down for cardio. What are you doing? Horizontal running.
Can I trust you? Add your own cardio. Yeah, no, don't put me down for cardio. What are you doing? Horizontal running.